All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm here today with Nicole Morgan. Nicole is a PR and marketing expert, founder of Resolute PR, and innovator of how companies can shift with the change in workforce behavior. She's passionate about giving back to her community and creating authentic relationships through bold and purposeful strategies. So, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. So, tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to what you do with Resolute PR. Well, the the workforce part is a strange one for a PR agency, so I appreciate you letting me come on and, and speak with your audience. But my background is that I have worked in the PR and marketing space for almost 20 years now. started working for a startup PR agency and worked there for 10 years and then started Resolute about 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years next year. We really come at our client issues in a holistic manner. We're really looking at what are their overall goals, what are their struggles, and overwhelmingly in the last three years, we've heard over and over again across multiple industries that their big struggle is workforce, trying to find the employees. They can't market anything if they don't have the employees to fulfill what it is that they're marketing. And so that's what really led us into this space was coming alongside the HR departments to help them market those open positions. So what we taught, you just shared about the workforce recruitment, but mm. Let me see how I'm going to answer. I'm going to take this part out. So when you're working with these HR professionals, how are you having them word it? Like you said, workforce is everything these days and attracting people. So what's the before and after? What were they doing before that wasn't working? And how are you tweaking it so that it does work? Yeah, what I'm hearing a lot of is that HR departments have typically been going at this from the angle of people will actively be looking for this position. And if they're looking for it, they will find me. So it's a very one-way conversation. They post things on Indeed or they post things on LinkedIn. And people who are actively looking are definitely on those platforms. I would say, but as far as a before and after, um, the difference is you're also trying to appeal to people who maybe aren't actively looking or know that position exists. We're just in an environment where businesses are having to compete for that talent and employees or potential employees need to be convinced that the work culture is one that they can see themselves in. They would be making a decision to work for an employer who's going to value them as an employee. And so it's a lot of those kind of softer things that you don't typically see in a job description, but that when you're branding yourself as an employer that people need to be thinking about. I was just having a conversation with one of my clients yesterday, and I was telling him, it is not about that candidate selling themselves to you. You have to also sell yourself to that applicant because they have so many more choices. And it's not just about the job description or what you're writing now. It's like, how are you making a difference? What is great about your company? What's unique about your company? And why would I want to work for you 
over everybody else. And it's just, it's interesting to see how some people are getting the fact that they have to change. And well, a lot of them just aren't. Yeah, well, and it's a shift. I don't have an HR degree. It's certainly not something that I learned in school. I've had to figure that out as I've been going, but I still don't consider myself an HR expert. I'm a PR and marketing expert. And what I do certainly isn't taking the place of, of the HR conversations that need to happen. But on the flip side, HR training typically doesn't include marketing. And so you're really having to change your mindset and the way that you go about trying to solve this issue because it's just so different in today's environment than it has been. One thing that I think a lot of people underestimate is the the resources that are out there for an applicant to also do their research before they even get to the point of applying for a job. If they're in a great job and the pay is good and they're complacent and it's fine, they're not going to go through the the rigmarole of applying for a job without doing their research first and maybe scoping out their social media accounts or going to Glassdoor or finding other people who may work for that company to find out what the experience is like. So we have to keep that in mind. We can't just put out the job descriptions and call it good. There's so much more that goes into it now. And it's interesting, too, because of looking at it not only from a recruiting standpoint, but from a marketing standpoint, because you're right. If uh, I'm looking for a job, I am going to go and see to the Facebook. Is this does this look like a company I want to work for? I'm going to go to LinkedIn. I'm going to see if there's anything on YouTube. But you also mentioned Glassdoor and some companies do Glassdoor really well in that when they have a disgruntled employee writing stuff about the bad stuff about the company, the people who are paying attention will go in and respond and say that, that this is what we're doing, this is what happened. So it makes it look like they care versus the ones that never do anything with Glassdoor and just hope that nobody finds it. So in using that, what are some of the recommendations that you have or how do you work with your clients when you know that they're being searched on Glassdoor. Yeah, you're spot on. It's no different than negative Google reviews for a company. If you have a restaurant and you have negative reviews, it's going to happen. That resource is out there. Someone could be disgruntled and there could be a very good reason why or backstory as to why they left those comments. And so sometimes I think that kind of gets in the way of HR because you can't talk about those things, right? So you're not going to be able to get on there and say, this person was actually terminated because of X, Y, and Z. Those conversations have to be protected. But for a potential employee who's getting on there and just doing research, they don't know that backstory. And so it really is as simple as acknowledging the comment and then trying to take it offline hey, we're sorry you had this experience. We'd love to talk to you more about this offline. Something that's very generic, but just shows that, like you said, you do care. You do acknowledge that's out there, but that you're also willing to have a two-way conversation. And for a lot of people, that's enough. They just want to see that there is some kind of response and acknowledgement versus just expecting it to go away. The other thing that I tell people is that part of the strategy too is to try to drown out the negative with the positive. So encouraging people who have a positive experience and are star employees and will say good things about your company, reminding them that's an option that's out there and trying to get more of those positive reviews in so that you don't just see the negative. And I know a lot of the philosophy would be like, I don't want my employees going to Glassdoor. Wouldn't that mean that they're going to, wouldn't that tempt them to look for a job somewhere else and all of these things? So 
how does encouraging employees to do that actually help to cement their relationships with their current employers? You bring up an excellent point. And when your house is on fire and you're trying to figure out how to fill all the open positions, it's difficult to then spend an equal amount of time on employee retention. But what we found through the work that we've been doing is that can really have a negative effect on the company. You spend all your time on attraction and then you run the risk of people not showing up to work, right? Or not right. following through on the position. And now you've wasted a lot of time and energy and dollars attracting someone. And in the meantime, your existing employees are bouncing because maybe they've been recruited away. So you really have to keep that in mind and as I'm sure it's so expensive to replace an employee, it could be double someone's salary or $1,500 for an hourly employee. So that's very costly. And you really have to make sure that you're paying attention to that as well. But to answer your question, this really gets into PR. And so there's tremendous value in having transparency and being willing to, it's a little bit of a risk to get out there and say, hey, I want you to rate your experience, but it shouldn't just start at Glassdoor. You should be listening for those conversations all the time, having opportunities for employees to be able to report on what they really value about the company and maybe what are some areas for improvement or new ideas, because there are a lot of really creative benefits that companies have come up with in the last three years. Some of which don't even cost the company any money. So looking for those and really sourcing your employees to, to come up with those ideas is something that people are finding valuable. So I know that you've done some research in your agency around work workforce. So what were some of the key findings that you discovered? A lot of the companies that we work with have hourly positions or are in the manufacturing space, so skilled workforce. It was interesting because things like flexible work environment and even the opportunity to potentially do remote work were still coming up a lot. I think this is really tricky because when a lot of those positions remote work is not an option. You can't take your welding home. Right, <laughs> um, you, can't, right. you, know, you can't serve food from home. I, I thought that was really interesting. And obviously those people are, they're not going to find those positions with the skill set that they have. But I think we have to be really aware as employers that this is something that they're still asking for. This is the market and they're still holding out hope that there's some opportunity for remote work. The other thing that I saw along those same lines that came up over and over again was just the need for more flexibility and getting away from that really strict schedule. And there are a few different reasons for that. One is transportation can be extremely expensive if they're relying on public transportation in some areas of the country. So if a work schedule doesn't necessarily match up with when the bus is running, that can make it incredibly difficult for mm. people to get to work. In fact, people were saying it's too expensive to get to work because of that. They're having to take Uber wow. and they might be paying $25 to $50 to get to work. And that's not going to be feasible at a certain point. But we also have things like Childcare is extremely expensive and marrying that with a work schedule can be difficult. But then we also have a, a huge aging population where a lot of people are in the position of having to care for aging parents. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy and it's incredibly unpredictable. At any moment, 
you might have to go sit with mom or take her to a doctor's appointment. And if, if a company's not set up for that, that can really put a lot of pressure on that employee. And what we saw was that there's a portion of the population that's saying, I just can't work right now because it does not work with my schedule. Wow. Yeah. And that's funny because in the last couple of years, you generally wouldn't find manufacturing and flexible scheduling in the same sentence, but now you just have to figure it out. I've had some of my clients have gone to what they call mom hours from 10 to two. So they can, so the, the parents can drop off their kids and then go to work and then still be at the bus stop to meet them because we've lost an incredible amount of parents, especially moms, because of the pandemic, because you're right, it's expensive to work. They just had a year at home with their kids. And they're like, huh, everything that I'm doing to work is just paying for childcare. Why don't I just sit down? So why don't I just stay home instead? And so you almost have no choice, but to come up with options for flexibility. What are some of the other things that you're seeing as far as creative ways that manufacturers can be flexible? On on that vein. One of the things that I've seen is companies actually creating childcare options on site. So if you have an industrial park, for example, like I was just talking to one the other day that happens to be adjacent to tribal land. And so they actually partnered with the tribe to then manage a childcare facility on site so that these companies can have access to childcare at a reasonable rate, but also very close so that they're not having to figure out transportation on top of that. Some other things that I have heard as I've talked to people about this research are things like being able to do a schedule share so that you can maybe trade schedules with other people. So then maybe you're working longer days for three, four days in a row, but then you get, you know, extra days off on the back end that can then make it a little more um, flexible. And obviously that takes a tremendous amount of planning and changing the way you've done things on the employer side. But the employee said, this is something that's incredibly valuable that we didn't have access to before. And it makes a difference for them. Um, Some other things that I've heard, and I work in an office job, so it did not necessarily occur to me that in some industries like construction, for example, if you have inclement weather and they can't work, they're not getting paid. So that is, that's incredibly unstable. And I live in Oklahoma. We have tornadoes and thunderstorms and all kinds of inclement weather all the time that could go on for a while. And so asking an employee to continually do that at some point they go, I'm going to transfer these skills to something else. I've talked to some companies in that space who have either put their employees on salary or they offer an inclement weather pay or they do some kind of inclement weather bonus to help level out some of those things that happen. Wow. I've never heard of that inclement weather bonus. I live in Cleveland. So when all of this stuff is going on, we're found to be one of the safest places to live in the country from weather event standpoint. So as well, I'm jealous. I don't handle the inclement weather well at all. So, but here I am. But we do have snow. Yeah, Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, So, what do you think, or what should employers think about when they're marketing open positions? Uh, So getting creative and just thinking outside the box of where you would typically be posting jobs, you should absolutely still do that. But a few things actually in your job descriptions, one of the things that came out of the research was that people want really 
clearly defined job description. So when they're applying for a job, they want to know exactly what's expected of them. They want to know exactly what the job is. So to me, that's a hint that says this is probably an area where employers could also be improving. They want things like regularly scheduled performance reviews because they see those as opportunities for bonuses and advancement. I would also say that companies, I have heard over the years where people say people just job hop now. That's just how they are. They'll just leave. And I am seeing research to the contrary. People actually feel that if they are being invested in and they see a growth path and that is regularly communicated to them and they're not left wondering why this person get promoted, but I don't, you're proactively having those conversations. That means something to people. People appreciate that transparency and two-way communication. In manufacturing, I would say this is another area of just growth in the industry because I was talking to a small small business mom and pop manufacturer the other day and the owner said, back in my day, if nobody talked to me, if the boss didn't talk to me, that meant that I was doing a good job. So I don't understand why I have to go talk to people all the time. <laughs> and I get that. That's that, that was his experience, but it's just not the reality of where the workforce is now. And particularly with the, you know, sorry, a younger generation, they are, they want that communication and that feedback. Yeah, that is so funny because I'd say in my programs that first of all, managers raise their employees the way that they were raised. And so in that case, he was never talked to. So he didn't see the the reason to talk to people but by the same token, people, it, it's, it is different today, and especially since the pandemic, but employees, new employees, especially the younger generation, will not change for you. You mm-hmm. must change for them, you know, because yeah. you're right. They do, they do want to commit. They do want to be loyal. They want to find a home. All of these things that completely goes against what most people say, oh, nobody wants to work. Oh, I can't pay these people enough. No. If you change the conversation, if you get them involved, if you listen to them, if you know them by name and a little bit about them, just to build those relationships, it's almost like you have to give the older generation permission to build relationships with their employees because they always had this mindset that, well, if I'm nice to these people or if I thank them for doing their job, they're just going to take advantage of it and think that I'm weak. It's no, (laughs) no, (laughs) that's not it at all. They want that and they need that in a relationship. That's such a good point. Yeah. We also asked people, so where are you looking for a job? And at the very bottom of the list were job fairs. It was like teeny tiny compared to Indeed, which was massive, or even Google. Google was number two. So people are searching for jobs before they're going to a job fair. Something else to keep in mind, I have talked to companies where the higher ups pressure them to do a job fair and you got to do a job fair because that's where you meet the people. And the HR people are saying, no, nobody is showing up when I'm going to a job fair. It's a waste of time. Our data is supporting that. Yeah. So what are some of the other trends then that you're seeing or that you anticipate in workforce marketing over the next year or a couple of years? I do think that the labor shortage, it's already started to become less of an issue than it was a year ago. And I that trend will certainly continue. But then I would say it's going to transition to more of a retention campaign and really making sure that you're keeping the top talent. I, From what I'm hearing, a recession is not as imminent as people have predicted. 
So I think that the chances of massive layoffs and things like that are probably not as realistic as we thought they were. But when you have that type of activity out in the market and you hear of people pulling back, that really causes a lot of fear in employees. So really making sure that you're aware of that and also just continuing to increase that communication with your employees because should you for some reason have to make a drastic change, you want to make sure that the employees that you want to keep feel comfortable and confident in staying. So having that that two-way communication. And I think just like you were describing with the boss, having a relationship with the employees and really investing in them and having that two-way communication is a great example of where that could be improved for companies. Awesome. So as we're getting to the end of our time together, what question do you wish that I had asked you and that or that we didn't talk about? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) The one thing that we didn't talk about was we did ask some questions specific to women and getting into traditionally male positions and what would entice them to apply or maybe what jobs are more attractive to them. And one was the top one was just the generic policies and really making sure that you have things like a strong work workplace harassment policy, and and some of those just really core things that I think we've all come to recognize. But the other thing that was on there was just some general having an environment that, so like I was talking to a company the other day and they said, yeah, we have a woman who's working on the shop floor and no one told her that we actually have a women's restroom. And she said, and actually that's pretty new. We've only had a women's restroom for a year. And so that was really shocking. And this poor woman was like using the shop bathroom that all these guys are using. And as women, it makes a difference. Having some of those clean restrooms, having a specific women's restroom, just adjusting to having a workforce that is that caters to men and women makes a big difference. Yeah, I know. I I look at some of these industries, like I do a lot of work in HVAC, and I think there's 4% of plumbers are women. Manufacturing is really a low percentage. So just figuring out, again, changing the way that you're looking for people, looking at how your company is perceived, that's going to also open up to a more diverse and inclusive workforce, which we all claim to be looking for. And these are the opportunities for us to do it. Absolutely. And again, as an employee is doing their research, they might go to your social media accounts or they might go to your website and see pictures of quote unquote employees. But if they don't see themselves reflected or it clearly looks like a stock image or it just says now hiring, that is not conducive to broadening your potential employee base. Really thinking about that through the eyes of the employee. And again, that's just, that's marketing. The social media accounts, I know they get flooded with a lot of marketing messages, but if workforce is something that you've been struggling with, you have to think about it from that perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. If people did want to continue the conversation or find out more about your services at Resolute, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? If you will go to our website, resolutepr.com slash workforce dash recruitment, you can download the study that we conducted and there's also a contact form on there. So I'd be happy to connect with anybody and, and just brainstorm and hear more about what you're struggling with. All right. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been fun. Thank you for having me on.
I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.